Sisters in the Shadows is in aid of Nordif Robbins. Nordif Robbins is the largest independent music therapy charity in the UK, dedicated to enriching the lives of people affected by life-limiting illnesses, isolation or disability. Their music therapists are expertly trained to tune into each movement, reaction and expression of the individuals they work with to discover how music can enrich their lives. They are absolutely brilliant. But they receive no government funding and so rely on the generosity of their supporters. Charities like Nordif Robbins are really struggling these days and need your help more than ever. As a musician and a music lover, I know firsthand of the healing powers of music. It can lift your spirits, unite people and touch your heart in ways nothing else can. And the amazing therapists at Nordif Robbins use that power to help some of the most vulnerable people in society. If you love music and care about people, and I know you do, I ask you as a proud ambassador of Nordif Robbins Music Therapy Charity to help support their important work today. Just go to nordof-robbins.org.uk to find out more. That's nordof-robbins.org.uk. Welcome to Sisters in the Shadows, Women in Blues and Jazz. I'm Andy Davis, sometimes known as Louis Horn, and I'm sitting in for the amazing Colette Cooper for a couple of shows. It was a pleasure to have been a guest on this great show and was a real honour when Colette asked me to sit in for her while she's rehearsing for her one-woman show about Janis Joplin. As you know, this podcast is all about the incredible contribution women have made to blues and jazz since day one. And today's show is dedicated to the jazz drummer, Terry Lynn Carrington. in Medford, Massachusetts. She came from a musical family. Her father was president of Boston Jazz Society and her grandfather was Matt Carrington, who had played with Fats Waller. At age seven, Terry Lynn was given his drum kit. Her first major public performance was at Wichita Jazz Festival with Clark Terry, aged just 11 years old. The same age when she won a full scholarship to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Terry Lynn began gigging as a teenager and moved to New York in the early 1980s, attracting the attention from the likes of David Sanborn, Cassandra Wilson and Stan Getz. Later, she moved to Los Angeles and became the drummer in the house band on the late night talk show, The Arsenio Hall Show. 
At this time, she became a band leader and in 1989 released her Grammy-nominated debut, Real Life Story. Terry Lynn didn't release her follow-up solo album until 2002 with Jazz Is A Spirit. In 2011, she released The Mosaic Project featuring Dee Dee Bridgewater and Diane Reeves and an all-female band including Esperanza Spalding winning Best Jazz Vocal Album for the Year. Known for her funky jazz style, she worked with Herbie Hancock, Nona Hendrix, Wayne Shorter and most recently formed Terry Lynn Carrington and The Social Science. In 2013, her album Money Jungle won Best Jazz Instrumental Grammy, making Terry Lynn the first woman to win that award. And the rest is history. talented jazz drummer in her own right, Jazz Kaiser. I caught up with her a few weeks ago and started by asking her how she had been keeping busy during lockdown. Uh, to be honest, it's, it's been all right. I feel like I've been quite lucky. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of Kansas Smitty's live streams. Which yeah, been, I've seen them. They're brilliant. Yeah, working with them has just, yeah, it's been, been really lucky to be on board. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're doing like once a week now each and, and doing a lot of like tributes to albums and stuff. So I've got like little projects week to week, learning a whole album, you know. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> it's a great um, way to learn the repertoire, isn't it? To have gigs playing that particular repertoire to, to, to you know, to practice them for. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. It's, I guess this is the time to do it in a way. <laughs> a bit of downtime. Yeah, it's a great it's, it's a great period to, period to get loads of, um, loads of like expand repertoire down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, hearing stuff I haven't heard ever or something I heard when I was younger that I never got a chance to kind of dig into. Yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your what's your um daily practice routine like? Oof, it varies from nothing to <laughs> a couple hours, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, these days I'm I'm just trying to keep up with like, you know they call it sort of like maintenance practice. Yeah. In, Keeping the hands moving and, and the technique together. Yeah, as trumpet players call it, keeping your lip in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because it is yeah. quite physical, isn't it, playing a, an instrument, particularly for jazz. You've got to keep your your technique in check and stuff. Yeah, it definitely is, isn't it? It's kind of if you don't play for a while and then you get back to it, you've got the same ideas in your head, but you just can't execute them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Well, so are you working on quite a lot of technical stuff at the moment? A little bit, yeah, trying to, you know, get the, the hands a bit faster and then working on sound, you know, trying to get like a, a kind of deeper sound on the drums without being louder. Yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you able to pra- practice drums in your house? Yeah, we're really lucky. Actually, we've done a couple of live streams from home, but we've got like a shed sort of thing in the back, but it's not like a wooden shed. It's like a, I don't know what it's made out of. It's like plaster, concrete stuff. Um, But yeah, we've got we've got drums and piano over there, so... Oh, I forgot who do you live with again? Because you 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 jam there, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's two of musicians. I'm um, Christos Dilanidis from Scotland. Yeah. Um, and oh, tenor sax player. You know, Christos plays trumpet. So it's two horns and drums, which we can do a lot of that. To be fair, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, it's it's brilliant that you can keep on playing during this whole uh, lockdown. 
Yeah. Oh God, definitely. Yeah, keeps you sane. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't the neighbours get a bit annoyed? Not at all. You know. I mean, fingers crossed. Such word that we've literally never had a complaint. Yeah. 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 I guess if you're playing good stuff, then they don't mind. <laughs> exactly. We're clearly swinging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I got a few questions for you. Um, who was the first female artist in jazz and blues you heard perform either vocals or instrumentalist? Um, and what song was it that they performed? Oof, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, I think my memory is telling me that Terry Lynn Carrington was the yeah. first. To be honest, I probably heard like a vocalist first or something, but an instrumentalist that really stuck with me was Terry Lynn Carrington playing with Herbie Hancock. Wow, um, and you, you know Terry Lynn, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I actually ended up having her as a teacher, and she's sort of like an incredible mentor. That's um, so really, cool. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what tune they're playing. It's, it's there's a whole gig with um Roy Hargrove and Marcus Miller, and all of that, and I think they're playing like actual proof. And, and That's amazing. And Herbie's tunes, yeah. Yeah, I th- I, yeah, I think I've seen it. I mean, Roy Hargrove's pro- probably one of my, f- my favourite ever trumpet players. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. I've seen him play, well, I saw him play live quite a lot. Um, yeah, but he played at Ronnie's a lot, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah un- unbelievable. But um, yeah. uh, Terry Lynn Carrington, she taught you in, in Berkeley. And then, you, yeah, so you, you kept yeah. the relationship going. Yeah, I mean, as much as possible, yeah. I think I was like two or three years in when I got an email from her. Cause I, was kind of, I knew she was around as she was teaching, but I just hadn't like been in touch with her yet. But yeah. it was my you know, goal. <laughs> the time in Boston was like to meet her, at least have one lesson. So she ended up emailing me on one of these days. She'd seen my Hit Like a Girl submission, which is like an online female drummer competition. Oh, right, cool. I did that. Um, in the middle of my time at Berkeley and then she was like oh I watched your submission it's great like I would love to meet up for a coffee and I was like oh yes come on so <laughs> I was over the moon about that ended up the first time I met her I was in a coffee shop <laughs> just chatting and I got to pick her brain about her career and music and she gave me such amazing advice and all of that and then I ended up she gave me advice to apply to the Global Jazz Masters um, which is like a master's program at Berkeley with Danilo Perez and all of that um, so I ended up wow. applying gave me a good reference and then I got to have like you know some actual lessons with her and yes yeah, she's the most supportive musician it's crazy do you, do you hook up with her when she comes to London um yeah she was here for the London Jazz Festival the one what was it 2019 just before lockdown yeah yeah um, so I went to go see her there and then got to chat to her a bit got my mum to come and meet her <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> so that was awesome yeah oh, that's amazing which uh, female jazz and blues artist influenced you to perform the genre today? Oh, I mean, Terry Lynn. I'm always preaching about Terry Lynn, but yeah. I mean, there's definitely other ones. Um, I, I was a huge fan. I used to be obsessed with that Radio Music Society by Esperanza Spalding. Oh, yeah, that's a great album, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's so good. I think I heard that before her other stuff, but it's sort of like, you know, what, what do you call it? Like R&B um, kind of jazz yeah. stuff. But yeah, that that's incredible. And then went back into her other stuff with like Chamber Music Society. Yeah, know. she's she's amazing, isn't she? she? She's been you know in the late night uh, jams we do at Ronnie's, like yeah. which you which you do a lot as well in the house band. She she she's hung out a few times and she's really nice as well. Oh, wicked! Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She seems lovely. She's a great hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, which female jazz and blues artists do you feel on the scene today are shining through other than yourself? Um, oh, you know what? There's there's a lot at the moment. I think. I mean, obviously there there could totally be more. Yeah. Uh, but it like the work is being done uh, gradually, and yeah, I mean Nabaya Garcia, she's amazing. I mean yeah. Daisy, know her from from quite a while back, but she's doing amazing. I feel like she she's kind of really taken the kind of forefront on on leadership, like being a band leader, female band leader, playing jazz music and Afrobeat music and kind yeah. of has, she inspires me. She's a friend of mine, but she really inspires me to kind yeah. of. Do, do you ever work in the steam dance sessions in Deptford? Oh yeah, I've been there a few times actually. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. It's really cool down there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, no, I, I was when I spoke to Daisy a, um, a minute ago. She was she was um, uh, she mentioned Nubia as well as a, quite a big influence of what, what she's doing, like push pushing mm. the music forward. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was chatting to Daisy about that. It's just kind of yeah, letting go, you know, and changing the way people view jazz music. Or yeah. Hear it, you know. Um, well, it's making it more more fun as well, isn't it? Like a like some of those steam down sessions are like a right party vibe. Yeah, it's literally a party. Yeah. 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 I'm just just free, open. Like everyone's just jamming, literally making it up <laughs> <laughs> on the spot, and everyone's just dancing. And you know, a lot of people in the audience will get up and play too, or they'll start playing some percussion instruments. And it's just yeah, it's a great community. I guess that's what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about um because obviously uh, you you teach in in Panama as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you about that stuff because it looks really, really interesting. Um, so am I correct in saying that you teach in one of the major conservatories out there? Yeah, so it's called the Danilo Perez Foundation and he created, wow. I'm not sure how long it's been open now, but yeah, so the idea was just to get like students who don't usually have that kind of opportunity to be able to like, you know, take their instruments seriously or, or even just begin to learn an instrument. Um, right. And do you, do you still do you still go out there and, and teach? Yeah, the last time I was there was for the festival. It didn't happen this year, obviously, but it did happen in twenty twenty. Yeah. So I went then um, to do a few things, we started. Well, I started this um, all female jazz band, which is the first female jazz ensemble in Panama. Really cool. By Patricia. Yeah, so it's all all the women who who are playing jazz. So there's a lot of singers in it but there's a pianist called Juanita and a bass player called Luz um and we did we did some shows at the festival and done wow. a few, um, are they all based in Panama those musicians yeah they're all based in Panama yeah, yeah. what's the what's the scene that like there it's it's interesting yeah I mean there's so many musicians also like the kind of salsa music and the folkloric Panamanian music is just like rooted in the in the culture and the yeah. everyone's kind of got like you know they can dance or they can play percussion or they can sing a bit, you know, it's way more um, in their culture, but it's, it's less so jazz and more kind of Latin salsa and all the timber right. stuff. Do they play yeah. like bebop and hardbop as well? They're getting it. That's kind of what Danilo is doing is, is bringing that over there because there's a lot of history to like um, jazz musicians from Panama or a place in Cologne where people used to go um, and play back in yeah. the day. Like historically a jazz uh, community, right? But for some reason it's just kind of being lost in the culture. So Danilo is trying to bring that back, and yeah, people are kind of focusing on bebop. And that's and cool. Then... Did you get to play with Daniela Perez as well? 
Yeah, I did. Oh. That's pretty amazing. So amazing. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really an amazing guy. And incredible teacher. And we all look up to him. I mean, the yeah. whole of the whole of, you know, the students from Berkeley and stuff. He's just an incredible like, mentor for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Do you still keep in touch with the, when you went to Berkeley? Were, mm-hmm. you, were, you, were you living in Boston when you were there in America? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you still keep the relations going with the musicians you met during that time? Yeah, as much as possible. I mean, I guess because of social media and all of that, there's a lot of, it's quite easy really to yeah. stay, in, even if someone just posts a video or kind of a story and it's not necessarily a one-to-one message, but you can sort of follow each other's careers and, and respond and stuff. So I guess even though Instagram has its flaws in a way, sometimes it's still kind of positive in a way that's really easy to keep keep following your friends journeys and stuff yeah yeah that's really cool yeah like, what, what, what did you think of the um the scene in in america like in in particularly in new york and boston compared to the uk scene very different i mean of course like musicians there's so many similarities and the vibe is is generally the same but i think of course like new york is just hardcore <laughs> you know yeah i never experienced like the jazz scene too much in new york um but yeah, it's just, it's, I feel like it's like ruthless, you know, like you really got to be on top of it. Got to be shedding all the time. You've got to be available and around and up for the hang, you know, the late night sessions at Smalls and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it definitely feels like the jazz music, just like Panama with kind of the salsa music and stuff. Yeah. So really in, in Panama, are the, ja- are the jams salsa music based? Uh, there'll be like, it'll be like a jazz jam, but then it'll always just turn into a, <laughs> like some latin thing you know like someone will start playing a club in we're like okay here we go <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool yeah wow do you think you'd you'd like to to live over there for a bit or are you quite happy being based in the uk and traveling a lot uh yeah i would definitely i definitely have a dream of, of moving back to panama i don't know when you know in like 10 years or something yeah yeah i would love to yeah but for now yeah. i'll just travel between the two hopefully yeah yeah well that's pretty cool yeah. Do you feel it's still hard for female artists to shine through today and feel it's still a male dominated scene? Or do you feel male artists are more supportive? Um, yeah, I mean it's definitely a tricky question and I feel like it's it's both. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, because I, I think obviously when women are speaking up now and, and organizations are doing their the work to kind of encourage female musicians to at least feel comfortable or to take up instruments or to, you know, feel you know confident enough to lead their own bands or all of that. Um, it's not, it's not to degrade the kind of men and them, you know, obviously we've all had kind of some bad experiences playing in gigs with all guys or if the promoter's a guy or, you know, there's yeah. definitely rooted in, in the industry. And it's all, it's kind of underlying, but yeah, I also have a lot of male friends who are totally supportive and doing the work too. Yeah. They don't want to see, you know, the music industry be sexist either. No. Yeah. 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 I think, I think it is difficult, really difficult for musicians. There's not enough of them and there's not role models for young female musicians to look up to. So I think that's why I really respect what kind of women in jazz are doing and and what Nabaya's done with her career and stuff, it's just like, you have, you know, one, or Yaz Ahmed and stuff, and, and Laura Jared. I mean, there's so many names like that who just kind of, they're doing their thing. And yeah. it's 
are in the younger generation. So eventually, hopefully, there'll be more and more women being able to do music, and we can. And I guess one of your ambitions is to be one of those leaders in in, in jazz. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So you can inspire the next gen. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely taking on that responsibility. Everyone has their own responsibility, but I think I'm I'm finding my feet now, and I'm recognizing, you know, myself as a female drummer and a mixed race uh, drummer, and I kind of yeah, I want to take responsibility for that and and be like a good example and and help the younger generation too. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, in, in, in the last few years, we've seen jazz come back in a big way with a much younger audience. What mm. do you think sparked this new jazz wave? And when did you first notice it? And which artists, in your opinion, were at the forefront of it, making it popular again? Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I haven't really been in London for too long because I was studying in Boston from like 2014 to 2018 mm. and then until 2019. So I've been in London like two years now, is it? Something like that. Yeah. Year and a half. Um, so I'm just kind of experiencing it for myself for the first time in a way. But from the outside in, I did notice that because I, I guess jazz is a broad term in a way. And a lot of people don't even like using that <laughs> that word, I think. Yeah. But, uh, I guess the UK jazz scene now is a lot of kind of um, like Afrobeat or, or Tom Mish. This kind of music he classes as like jazz too. Yeah. Um, artists who kind of like Oscar Jerome or Popular Jude and stuff, they fall in the jazz category and then they are, they also sing kind of like, I don't know, what like R&B-ish, you know, hip-hop-y kind of stuff. But I think because for non-musicians <laughs> or non-jazz musicians, obviously seems to be more popular when it's got like a beat behind it or something, you know. Well, people, a lot of people can relate to, to that, can't they? Yeah, exactly. It's more familiar. It's more yeah. like you could go to the pub and dance or, you know, go to the venue and, and maybe people don't know how to dance to swing music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking to um, Daisy George, your colleague, she mm-hmm. um saying a similar thing, you know, especially with things like the steam dance sessions, you know, mm-hmm. getting getting people up um, dancing and having a good time. Because I think a lot of people still associate jazz with, you know, just sipping some wine, being told to be quiet at a table and stuff and it's, yeah. it's quite refreshing that you've got this the steam down vibes where it's t- it's a totally totally opposite isn't it yeah yeah exactly exactly when and hopefully that will travel back into the kind of the beboppy uh like jazz swing things because i guess that it is supposed to be you know communal and you are supposed yeah. to go and then shout hey come on you better swing yeah. you know yeah is it like like in the old days you know in uh in new york yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, totally. Outset the players. <laughs> yeah. So, have you got any? Um, what What are your main pr- projects you're working on at the moment? Um. Yeah. So I'm working a lot with my own my own stuff. I'm yeah. trying to get the. I've had the band like getting together for the past kind of year. I did London Jazz Festival last year, and then I got Daisy George on bass actually playing in my band, and then I'm also playing in hers. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, we do a lot of stuff together. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because yeah. like, the rhythm section in my band is you and Daisy as well. And, it, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, cause when I was speaking to Daisy just now, she was saying, like, you kind of come up together, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've known her since, yeah, being about, like, what, 14, 15? Yeah. yeah. It's really special to be able to just, like, play <laughs> with your friend and kind of grow up together and develop together. Yeah. Obviously support each other too. 
that I'm planning to release an album with um, Jazz Refreshed at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. Oh, wow, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Another another organisation that's so supportive of black musicians and female musicians too. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, do you, what, what do you think of the whole, because I, I, I met you on the Deptford, on the whole Deptford Jazz Circuit. Um, yeah. Playing, I, and that was with Daisy that night. Do, do, are you still doing quite a lot? Um, well, obviously before the COVID set in, but um, the, the the whole like Southeast London scene, are you still playing with a lot of the people on that? Um, yeah, here and there. I mean, yeah, obviously not too much now, but it was actually my housemate Mark who runs the Isla Ray sessions that I met yeah, you Yeah, he was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, he's great, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he kind of just like took initiative to to start that jam, just to have like, another kind of jam going on in Deptford. And also it's nice because it's a bit more straight ahead. Um, I guess there's not too much of that around. Yeah. Well, that's what, was, that's what I quite like about the Deptford scene. It's a real mixture. You've got hard bop and you've got steam down. Mm-hmm. It's like all these different uh, genres of like jazz and improvisation going on. Yeah. And then you've got the free kind of groove stuff at Buster Mantis as well. Yeah. 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 It's so much fun. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Have you got any funny gig or live radio stories to share with us? <laughs> um, oof. But the one I always tell is like my first gig experience was when I was like nine or ten years old. And uh, at the school I was at, I just started learning drums. And I guess I ended up playing drums in the school assembly in the morning to like the parents and the students. And for some reason, there was a theme to it, but I was dressed as a clown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those like multicolored wigs and then the toe socks that kind of like your, your toe goes in each little <laughs> oh, what? Did you have the big feet? yeah amazing yeah so yeah that yeah that's definitely a fond memory <laughs> yeah wow yeah um wearing costumes playing instruments is always fun i, I had a gig you know uh, wasps rugby club i used yeah. to play trumpet in the stands doing their games dressed as a giant bumblebee did you yeah and all, all the fans just show beer throw beer cans at me it was it was pretty <laughs> oh, uh pretty demoralizing to be honest yeah that is savage <laughs> <laughs> Was it just you or were you playing in the band? Um, it was me and a couple of other losers. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it, it wasn't good for the conference. Yeah, yeah. Um, are, are you looking forward to getting back to doing live gigs with um, proper audiences? Oh, can't wait. I don't know about you, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens when all the music starts again. Like if there's going to be different sounds coming out and stuff. Mm, yeah, surely, definitely. I mean, it's been a whole year of people either like, you know, practicing on their own or playing different kinds of music to adjust to, you know, the work. So, yeah, I feel like the sound is definitely going to be different. And are there any, are there any other um, projects or ideas that you've, you've got musically that you want to really work on when things open up again? Um, yeah, I just actually really want to focus on, on playing my own music live as much as yeah. possible. And kind of applying to festivals now and obviously going to release the album So that will help to do live gigs to get people to listen to it. But yeah, it just kind of definitely has reaffirmed how important it is and how much it means to me and other musicians and you yourself too, to kind of play music to people. Yeah. And have that, share the music with real life people. And yeah. The, the room It's just, yeah, you can't replace that. Do you find it really different doing the live streams to play into an audience? Yeah, hundred percent. It's definitely not the same. Can't yeah. complain. And it is amazing in its own way. It feels a bit more like a studio session, you know, when you have to be really like precise about everything you do. And yeah. you can back to it right after. 
yeah, it's definitely different. You're le- I feel less in the moment when you have an audience in the room. It's totally about that moment. You're not worried about it being recorded or what it's going to sound like afterwards. You're just purely <laughs> playing, playing the vibe. Yeah. 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 You can't beat that audience feeling. Can you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, when you, com- when you write music, do you, do you use a piano? Yeah. I've, I've started to try and write from the drums. So I'll just kind of yeah. write, you know, like a groove or something and then maybe create the structure through the drums and then kind of have like a bass line or a melody in my mind and then go over to piano after that. Right. And put the harmony after. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you, you actually start with the, the drum lines in mind first. Yeah, with like the grooves and the kind of tempo and, and the vibe, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like total opposite to how a horn player would compose, I guess. Yeah, true. How do you start? Do you do, do you write from your horn? Uh, a bit of both, yeah. I, I usually um, try and think of like, it's, if, if it's like a bebop kind of melody, I'll, I'll uh, write that on my okay. trumpet and then I'll put the harmony after. But if it's mm-hmm. more of a kind of uh, a ballad tune, uh, yeah. then I'll probably start it on the piano. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks for coming on. Nice, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, looking looking forward to getting playing again soon. It's not long now, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, take care of yourself, and we'll play soon. Yeah, cheers, Andy. I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> that's the amazing Jazz Kaiser, and that's the show for this week. Sisters in the Shadows was presented by me, Andy Davis, and is a Pod People production. Thanks to Jake Trappett and Mike Hansen for the production support. And thanks to Colette for asking me to do this. All the music featured today will be added to the Sisters in the Shadows guests and influencer playlist on Spotify. This podcast is in support of the Nordoff Robbins charity, which Colette is an ambassador for. So please help support them any way you can. Sisters in the Shadows will be back in your feed next Friday and can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Pod people.